Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest on the phone. It's a Sunday night. We're all waiting for tomorrow, 1 p.m., when Doug Ford is going to get on the television and tell us <laughs> all what we know is coming, which is going to be... Oh, dear. Uh, let's, 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 this is how I imagine he talks. Like, you know, you ever used to watch David Letterman? How David, I used to call it when yeah. David Letterman does the yeah. dumb guy because he always changes his voice do like this and I'm not <laughs> suggesting that Doug Ford's a dumb guy but I just look at him sometimes because I am rough around the edges I think it's pretty easy to understand I don't like wearing suits because I feel awkward in suits I feel like a boy like a like a like a seven-year-old boy that's going to first communion do you know what I mean like I just feel awkward you know what a seven-year-old boy just looks yeah. awkward yep. in that suit you're uncomfortable right? right to me that's what Doug Ford <laughs> looks like he just looks awkward in a suit Doug Ford reminds yeah. me of every like you know football playing kind of dude I ever <laughs> knew when I was in high school that liked to like eat pizza and drink beer and well, yeah, yeah He's so the the <laughs> in the typical David Letterman dumb guy I think we're gonna shut her down guys shut her down he would 100% say shut her down shut her down shut her down so that might now be happening I will defer to somebody else to say something <laughs> well, hey everyone it's amanda yeah, and yeah we've got sarah on the phone with us and uh this has probably been a long time coming because we've done quite a few episodes with people who and people keep telling um, us to have you on people keep telling us to have Even you on to last night yeah we got messages <laughs> on our facebook page and something was That's saying crazy. about having you on i'm like wait do they know if anyone didn't know, Sarah and I have been back and forth a little bit, but it took some time to get this set up. And, you know, we've had people on who work with children and who do pediatric massage, but I feel like people really look up to Sarah in particular. And it might be because Sarah actually started the Canadian Pediatric Massage Therapist Facebook page and she teaches courses in pediatric massage. Uh, she actually teaches formally as a massage therapist. She's been registered for 22 years and has had a pediatric focus for almost half of that time. And, um, also as a gymnastics coach, which is kind of cool. Um, I learned that she runs a gymnastics program for kids with neurodevelopmental differences. So all of these things that she's doing are super fascinating to me. And I feel like I'm kind of glad we talked to everybody else you're before you, Sarah. You're a hero. You're, he you're one of these heroes that <laughs> you're nobody's hero. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like no, 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 no one knows, like, you know. But people who know her yeah, know her. but I want everyone to know. People in the pediatric world know exactly but who I she is. I want everyone to know. That's yes. it. Yes. And th well, that's why we wanted to have her on because we do want everyone to know about all of the awesome things that she does. And I'm so glad that you sent me a message, Sarah, because quite honestly, I get wrapped up in my own shit, as you know, which is, you know, we've had to reschedule this, what, three times because I'm always getting wrapped up in shit <laughs> with my kids. And the last message she sent me, Mark, I don't know if you actually read it because it was her and going back and forth. It was just so wonderful. She said, I work with kids. Uh, it's my job to be flexible because I was like, I'm so sorry, man, like trying to get my kids to bed, trying to get my shit together tonight so we can do this. But thank you for all of your patience. And I'm so happy we're finally doing this on a Sunday night and I have poured myself a glass of wine. So while I take my first <laughs> sip, can you please, for anyone who doesn't know you and should, and um, should. 
introduce yourself. How long, I mean, I already told everyone how long you've been practicing, but sort of give us a little bit of background about how you got into this field and how pediatric became a focus and sort of your career path up to this point here in 2020. Yeah. So first and foremost, let me just clarify something. Um, I don't run the, the gymnastics program. That's actually a friend of mine. Um, when I first started out, I worked with adults and, oh, that's okay. I'll, I'll clarify that in a second. Um, when I first started out, um, I worked with adults, like most, the majority of massage therapists, um, 22 years ago when I was in school, 21 years ago when I was in school, I took, um, Cindy McNeely and I, Allison, I think her last name was Hines. Um, yeah. And we, we, uh, I did labor support and infant massage and uh, they were both wonderful courses. I learned very, very quickly that I wasn't so interested in the labor support because quite frankly, I wasn't prepared to turn my life over to other people as beautiful as that. It's a lot. It's a lot. I took Cindy's, (laughs) I took Cindy's labor support course in uh, the fall of 2019 with the intent to make 2020 the year I start offering labor support. And then this shit storm came upon us and I decided, let me hold off on that. So I've actually only attended one birth. It's it's a lot. You have to really want to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to put essentially two weeks before the due date aside, two weeks after the due date aside, because if you've committed to being at someone's birth, you have to kind of do your due diligence. So when I learned this in the class, I don't know what I was thinking when I took the course. (laughs) I I think to be, I, I, I mean, it's true when you're in school, you just want to take everything you can get your hands on. Right. I think. Um, and I think, uh, truthfully, I was really interested in infant massage course, but we had to do the labor sport, uh, in order to do the infant massage way back then. And um, so I, I learned very quickly, as beautiful as that would be to be at a birth, was not my Is thing. It beautiful? <laughs> well, you know what I was at? Maybe, maybe. I've been there twice. I've been there twice. Right. I, I was at I my nephew's and it was fantastic. Yes, yes, it is fantastic. But I, I did, I think probably I'm not that committed to strangers' births, I guess. Right? Yeah, I think it's a little different when you're watching your wife deliver your own babies. Probably. It's a little different than attending yeah. somebody you else's birth. Since you're into babies and doulas and births and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Well, Sarah's telling you she's not. Because, well, <laughs> she doesn't want well, to do well, that. Well, no, no, no. Well, I'm not. Because I, so she I'm into babies. Because I, like, she didn't I want to commit babies. her life to somebody else's. Yes, yes, Which yes, I totally yes. get. Introverts are. Yeah. Extroverts. Who do you think becomes? Uh, who do you think does doula work? I think it could be either. Well, do you, what do you, what do you think, know, Sarah? What do you think? One more than the other. Yeah. Here's the thing. I I I would normally consider myself more of an introvert, uh, which is probably why it took me so long to reach out to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but once I get in the flow of things, then I can kind of take charge of a situation. So I, I think it could be either actually. Yeah, absolutely. I think it I'm, can be either. I would consider myself an extrovert. Okay. And I think that like socially I'm a very high energy type of person, but that's right. not what you want in a well, doula necessarily, right? Like, but I mean, I, I don't idea. think right. it matters introvert or extrovert. I think it's that characteristic of being able to understand the person in front of you. You know, what makes a good massage there, but what makes a good doula is being able to understand the person in front of you, where they are and what they need from you in that moment. So 
if I have to adjust my energy as, you know, normally a very like high energy type of person, I can, I can do that regardless if I'm an introvert or an extrovert. Yeah. Am I making sense yeah. right okay, now? So no, no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm trying. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I took the infant massage and the labor support and, and um, the infant massage that I took was really about teaching parents how to massage their kids. Um, and it was, it was great. It was fun. I, I didn't necessarily make a business of it because there's only so many times a mom has to bring their, their kid in mm-hmm. um, before they figure out how to do a massage. And I am one of those people that is pretty honest, right? So, you know, parents would bring their kids in and they would, oh, I'm so nervous. What if I do something wrong? And I, I look at them and I go, are you putting lotion or baby oil or any kind of cream on your baby? And they would go, yeah. And I was like, okay, then you're you're massaging them. Yeah, It's not rocket science. I can teach you like a couple little techniques, but generally speaking, it's not rocket science. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's when, even if you didn't learn from me or Sarah or anyone else who's ever done infant massage, just the positive touch and massaging your baby in any way, you know how, like all of it is fine and all of it is right. None of it is wrong. So, you know, if you, you you see for adults, I'm asking. Like, can you massage an adult wrong? Well, I'm just asking, Is that what you're saying? I'm just trying to figure out, does, does the philosophy about dealing with babies also apply to adults just as equal? Yes, it does. People give their I'm partners massage all the time. Questions. Yeah, yeah. No, and I'm so answering I, you. I think, yes, it does. I think it's, are you, are you necessarily like, you know, okay. So for example, if I was not an RMT and it wasn't, you this know. illegal for me to treat you. <laughs> I'll tell you why, I'll tell you why I'm, I'll tell you why I'm, I'm asking this. And this is, pro- this yes. is, this is a whole different path, but I've been, I've been yes. thinking about this quite a bit because when I'm fishing around in some of those Facebook groups and I see a lot of RMTs talking about what you learned in school isn't really what you're doing to the body or how you're affecting the tissue, the way you think you're affecting the tissue, blah, 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 blah. Yep. And then therefore what you're doing doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you're engaging the nervous system, blah, 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 right? And so when you're, when you're throwing that stuff around, and I'm not saying it's incorrect, and I'm not saying it's correct. I'm not saying any of that because I don't, I, don't I don't know anything. I just think about stuff every right, once in a while. Right, right. I start to think, then why the fuck are we even regulated? Like, the more you guys talk about this shit like this, it makes me think, maybe you're almost suggesting we shouldn't be regulated. But I know that's not what you're saying, but you should be careful in how you're saying it because it could be interpreted as, why are we even regulated to begin with? Because a big part of us being regulated is because there's a potential harm for what we do for our patients and clients. And if everyone's sitting back going, well, we don't actually do anything. We don't do anything. Your hands don't do anything. It doesn't matter as long as you're touching the body, you're engaging the nervous system. So everything you learned was bullshit because you're not actually doing anything. Then why the fuck are we regulated to begin with? But I know when these people are saying that, that's not their intent at all. But every time I read something like that, I'm like, you better watch yourself a little bit or you better think about what you're saying something a little bit harder because I'm going to look at it from this angle, an angle that you have not thought of it from. And maybe you should consider this before you start rhyming off what you're rhyming off. Yeah, But so we as human beings are engaged in touch. I do believe there are aspects and there are some cases that have been documented where people have been injured, right? So I, I, do, I do believe in regulation. Right. And the kind of massage, like when he was saying, does this apply to adults? The kind of massage you would be doing if you are not trained on somebody yep. is just 
literally, as you said, like squeezing and effleurage and like very gentle stuff that, I mean, really most people say to me when my partner massages me, their hands get tired after five minutes. So they're not going to do anything that's going to be harmful. Stuff that we are trained to do, as she said, joint play and traction and frictions, whatever. Yeah, we could probably harm somebody. But you're getting my point though. My point is when when that crowd is like, why you do cross fiber frictions? Because it doesn't do what you think it's going to do. So why do you do it in the first place? And if that's one of the reasons why we're saying that we should be regulated because these are the types of things where we can cause damage and hurt people and the suggestion is we shouldn't be doing them because what's the point anyway then you see what I'm yeah, anyway I'll just drop it. I get it I get it I totally I totally understand what you're saying oh, yeah that was completely off topic I just wanted to late night thoughts from Mark that's what yeah. happens when I smoke a weed I start to start to think a little bit too much so after you took Cindy's courses and you took yes. the infant massage, and like you said, you get to a point because I'm I'm with you. Like I have some parents who bring their infants into me and I teach them what to do. I actually have a couple just because they have the insurance instead of them doing the treatment for their daughter when they come for their regular visits, one or both of them will bring her. And so I'm still like you know, massaging this infant. And I keep telling them like, I could just show you guys what to do. And they're like, no, no, it's okay. We'd rather you just do it. And like, we learn stuff and we take it home. So, but other than this one couple, as you said, most people, they come in once, twice, three times with their infant. I teach them some stuff and they're on their merry way and I don't see them. So at what point do you, Sarah, decide I'm going to turn my focus to pediatrics because you worked what like 11 years or something before doing that 10 11 years before deciding to go pediatric yeah so I I mean I always had kids as part of my um as part of my practice and I always worked hard to make it a a, a focus the thing was was that for me anyway it was uh, I found it difficult for the reasons we just talked about Mm -hmm. to make it a business. I would go out and I would do little like um, workshops for parents and all that kind of promotional stuff. Um, and um, and it was, you know, like most people looked at me and go, like, why would I bring my kid for a massage? Like, they're not tense. They're not yeah. stressed out. Like, I remember, this was 22 years ago as well, right? Yeah, I can imagine 22 years ago, people would look at you like you had three heads if you're suggesting to bring, because even now, some people are like, what? Like, I have clients who will say to me, you massage kids? Like, why yeah. does a kid need a massage? They what don't... does a kid need a massage yeah, for? exactly. Right? So fast forward a little bit, and, and I had, I've always worked with, not always, but I, I a good part of my life, I have worked with kids. In high school, I worked in a daycare. Um, summers in high school, I worked in a women's shelter in the kids' programming. Um, so they they had always kind of been part of my my work experience. And then, so then I was in school. I took the course. I worked with some kids that were relatively healthy and taught the parents and all that kind of stuff. And then fast forward a number of years, um, one of my closest friends had a son um, and he um, is on the autism spectrum. And at the time, again, it was shortly after I graduated. So I want to say maybe probably like 19 years ago when it was less, a lot less predominant Um maybe 18 years ago, and I saw the things she went through and the struggle she went through and um, just everything she had to go through to get her her son the 
the stuff she need he needed right and she she through this experience um she taught me a lot about sensory processing and motor planning and stuff that we don't actually really touch on nearly enough mm-hmm. um in massage therapy school considering we are a giant sensory tool right motor planning like how are we teaching therapeutic exercise without really touching on motor planning? Um, so I started learning through her. And then I would say about 10 years ago, a mutual friend of ours um, is the gymnastics coach. She was a competitive coach. And she's the one um, that has the program, actually. Um, she started seeing, well, she, for her, it was about 20 years earlier um 20 years ago or so um she started seeing more and more kids come into the gym who uh, were struggling physically and um back then the answer that gyms had and and most programs was just to deny access right we're not equipped we don't know how to manage this situation if your kid can't naturally jump we don't know what to do with them. How do we teach them a cartwheel if, you know? And so she she kind of was like, um, let me try, right? Like she was a competitive coach. And she said, just give me this kid, right? I'm going to do my, I'm going to see what I can do with them. And then slowly over the years, she actually took on more and more and more kids. And at the gym, she just became the coach that worked um, with children with um, different abilities, like kids with cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, um, autism. Um, she's had such an interesting scope of kids come through her door. And it really was just her willingness to say, hey, yeah, get, let me try. I know I kind of get I know the body. I no gymnastics. I know fitness. Let me figure it out. And she did. She went to seminars and workshops and all this kind of stuff. And so she developed her own program. And so about 10 years ago, um, she asked me to come and visit. She said, listen, I know you work with kids and I know you know the body really well. You know gymnastics. Come and work with me. You know gymnastics. Like, were you a gymnast yourself, or I? So I was a gymnast. Um, again, it was a long time ago, right? Um, and a long time ago, if you did not fit the gymnastics model, right? So ideal height, weight. Um, you could make it to every single practice. Um, Generally speaking, you had to be perfectly healthy. Um, you could be involved in competitive gymnastics. I, I was in competitive. I was doing quite well in competitive. And then um, asthma kind of just took over my life a little bit. And oh. uh, I had to take steroids, uh, like lots of prednisone through my childhood. Um, and so at the time, gymnastics clubs were kind of like, you know, <laughs> We don't know what to do with you, right? You can't make it to every practice. You're in the hospital half the time. Like, what are we going to do, right? So, yeah, my, like, in my childhood, I did competitive gymnastics, but only until about 12. But again, back then, you were either 
really, really dedicated to com- uh, competition by 12 or you don't really bother, right? It was, it right. was, it's very, very different than it is now. But still you had, you had the background. So you obviously, as, I did. as she said, you understood gymnastics. You yes. obviously understand the body. You're a registered massage therapist and yeah. you enjoy working with children. Like yeah. that is something in itself. There's lots of people who are really talented, but you know, like for, I know this is totally off topic. I have a friend who's a photographer and she's amazing and wonderful. And, you know, like her photos are beautiful and I would hire her for anything, but she has made it very clear. I don't work with babies. Like do not, (laughs) do not ask me to photograph your babies. Do not bring it. Like I don't do it. So find somebody else. And fair enough right this is a whole specialty in itself so you've got all of the things you've got the gymnast background you've got the massage background and you like children so it makes sense why she would want you to come check out this program and obviously that led to a whole new career path for you right a whole new thing and and she she would she would say can you come look can you come check out this kid because I think there's something amiss and I don't know what it is can you just come and I, I would come and I'd be like, yeah, that child's a, a lot floppier than they should be. Floppier. That's a very technical term, by the it's way. It's a very... Everyone listening? Yeah. Floppier. <laughs> and I would say to her, listen, it's not my place to diagnose and I don't know this child well. I am not um, an expert, but this child's tone seems very low. They fall down a lot. Um, and and she knew herself, right? Like she had been working with kids for many years and and she was just trying to kind of boost her program and and also kind of create more of a multidisciplinary approach um for these kids. So, you know, that kind of thing. But but yeah, like literally I would go into the gym. And she would say, okay, just keep an eye on him. And I, I would watch and watch and you would see like the the joints would be like very mobile and the the, the little guy would fall over a lot, um, not intentionally, just fall down. So coordination and, and um, strength and all that stuff. But again, like in the massage therapy world, this is not stuff we really touch on right like we we are taught about adult muscle tone we are taught about range of motion for adults all that stuff yeah I think it might have been Christina um that mentioned that or somebody else that we've talked to who works with uh with children but that was brought up and it it actually made me go huh like we we aren't really me time was it? Okay. Yeah. Heidi from Me Time Massage Therapy. She okay, also yeah. does uh, pediatric massage, right? And mm-hmm. she, had, she had mentioned that, you know, like in massage school, we don't really touch on anything other than, as you said, adult muscle tone. And so, you know, we're sort of trained to uh, palpate like hypertonicity in adult muscles. And we don't really ever think about like, what do these things look in children? And, you know, what is hypo or hypermobility in a child's joints versus an adult? Right. Like we don't think of any of that. And as you were talking earlier, when you said, you know, we don't talk about um, uh, like the sensory issues and we are a sensory modality. I'm like, that is like, 
bananas to me. Like now that somebody right. has actually said that sentence, I'm like that is right. It's crazy because child or adult, you can have people yeah. who have major sensory issues. And you know, I I Huge. read I read a quote recently, and I wish I remember what it was, but it was something about that. You know, it was about you know a child in school always being misunderstood and mm-hmm. being you know labeled as having behavioral issues, but in reality, it's a sensory issue, you know, being overstimulated, you know, too much noise or whatever it is, you know, the lighting in the room or whatever, like all of these things that I think are now maybe coming more to the forefront that we never really thought about before. And it's really great to me to know that there's people, you know, like this woman running the gymnastics program and like yourself who are thinking about what about people with, you know, you guys are focusing on children, but people in general, what Mm -hmm. about people with varying needs? Like, yes, I understand that in a 22 month program, we can't touch on every single thing, but why don't we really have something dedicated to people with sensory issues? Or why don't we talk about that? It's crazy. We touch people all day. We should talk about that. Right. So the difference your touch. So when I, um, when I do my intake, I have a conversation with a parent on the phone first. And I say to them, can you tell me, um, and even I don't have an office anymore. I do either I work out of the gym or I do house calls. Um, but I will say to them, does your child have any sensory triggers that I need to know about? Hmm. So when I had an office, I would know. I have a question for my intake when I'm working with children. Thank you. Yeah. So I (laughs) have. Take it. Take it. This is the thing. I feel like we should be sharing information so much more than we do. Everything is either exaggerated or hidden. Right. Like, like, I feel like there's a lot of RMTs out there that exaggerate what they're doing. And there's a lot of RMTs that have these little tidbits of gems. Right. But they're holding them to themselves. And I feel like, why aren't we a being honest and be sharing a lot more? Right. And that was the point. That was the point of the pediatric page was to really try to encourage RMTs who are working with kids to share their their like their little gems or their challenges or whatever. But one of the first things I assess when I'm assessing a kid and and keeping in mind, um, it's very informal because it's not my scope is sensory. So I, I say, right, because, right, it's the manipulation of the soft tissue, right? But Mm -hmm. I will say to the parents, are there any um, sensory needs that your child has or any sensory triggers that your child has? And I've had like some of the most interesting answers to that. Um, but I, um, that's one of the first things I say. So when I had my office, there was a clanking radiator. And if they said, oh, my child is, um, you know, sensitive to sound, I would say, listen, my office has a clanking radiator. Does your child wear ear, uh, there's like these earbuds or um, headphones that they can wear that dampen sounds? Or is it better if I come to you, right? Um, Because if your sensory sensitivity is noise and there's banging in the office that you're in, even if it's quiet to me, how in the world are we going to get anything else done, right? 
Um, so the first question I ask is, is sensory questions. So interesting. So interesting. So I have, I have a problem. Uh, I have a problem. I have a problem. (laughs) Help me with it. Um, so I can't remember the name of it now, but apparently it's a thing. I get over the top irritated by the sound of someone chewing. Okay. Mark, what's really hard to live with. Yeah. I can't, I can't handle it. I can, I can love the person who is sitting next to me like more than anything, but if they start chewing loudly and there's no other sounds to drown it out, like I want to murder them. It's true. It just has to be regular chewing. I'm I'm going to, I want to kill them. And this has bothered me my entire life. So for example, when I've gone for massage with massage therapists who are chewing gum, like it. I can't relax. Like I'm so furious right. because that that sound is something that like irritates me to my core. And um, my kids know that this is a problem. And it's funny because my kids chewing doesn't bother me. Does that make any sense to you? Like, absolutely. Like they are they're eating and I, I'm not really so annoyed by their chewing. But there comes a point where it will get to me a little bit. And I just have to put music on or something to drown it out. But anyway, right. they both know that I don't like the sound of chewing. So recently, my six-year-old daughter told me, um, Mark has this key ring where he has, I don't know, probably 45 keys. Like, I don't know. What, what do you have? Okay. Keys? You have so many keys. What are all these keys for? A lot of doors. But he has so many keys. And my okay. six-year-old told me, she goes, you know how you don't like the sound of chewing? And I said, yeah. She goes, I really don't like the sound of daddy's keys jangling. Like she really right. doesn't like the the right. keys hitting each other. And it's something like that seems, you know, at the time that when she said it, it was like just cute and funny. But now that you're saying all this, I'm like, if that really bothers her, like maybe, maybe it's something we should be more sensitive to. Like, you know, when I'm picking up my keys, like maybe she really just doesn't like the sound of keys hitting each other. Such a. Right. Yeah. Yeah. People have their things. Every yeah, I mean yeah, it's possible that you can just not like something, or or a sound bothers you. It doesn't necessarily mean you have a sensory sensitivity. Yeah, but for sure. It also doesn't mean you don't. Right? Like maybe there's other things that bother her that she hasn't thought to tell you are different than like other kids, mm-hmm. right? The the thing is that as human beings, where possible, we adapt. Um, and so uh, with kids on the autism spectrum and stuff like that, it is so extreme. They're often unable to adapt. So it comes out in, you know, if you could see me, I'm air quoting behaviors. But those behaviors are really, um, again, something I learned is that it's communication, actually. Right. Right. So if we start looking at behavior as communication instead of something bad or something good, then it changes our perspective on how we approach kids or or adults or whatever. Uh, and it, it doesn't mean we, we throw everything, all manners out the door. That's not the point. Um, because that's not that's not what's happening with these kids. Literally, a sound might actually cause them physical distress flickering lights might cause them physical distress mm-hmm. um and and so they just become so overwhelmed by it that it, it's more than their little bodies can handle so so for me 
Um, one of the first things I, I talk to parents about is sensory sensitivities. Does your kid have any sensory sensitivities? And and then we go from there. And then I ask them, does your child have any uh, tics or, or behaviors I should know about? And I clarify when I say behaviors, I mean things that um, might, you know, be considered you know, on the bad or good scale, but that's not how I see it. I just want to know the best way to approach your child. I ask about mobility. I ask about um, all kinds of of things before I even go, because I want to go with the best intention in mind. And even when I reach the door, I always, well, not always, but I, I often give myself a little, you know, chit chat ahead and say, okay, you have all the information, but you know, you're going to walk in the door and you have no idea what you're going to, what you're going to be dealing with. Right. You're making sound like working with kids, very scared. Of kids. No, 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 no. You never know what you never know what will be behind that door. <laughs> no, it's so much fun. And this is the thing about working with kids that I love so much is that every child that I work with is like a puzzle. I have to figure out the best way to communicate with them. So some mm-hmm. of some of the kids I work with are nonverbal and I have to figure out the best way to communicate with them and the best way for them to communicate with me. So in my early 20s, I took a job, a summer job, and I did it yeah. for three summers where I was working with um teenagers and young adults with both physical Mm -hmm. and developmental disabilities. So I worked with one group with cerebral palsy. I worked with another group that was primarily people um, on the spectrum, but I I worked with a number of uh, different types of uh, teenagers and young adults. And I had one of my friends working with me and we were working at this point with the group of uh, teenagers who had cerebral palsy. And so we had one guy who was nonverbal and within, I don't know, three days, maybe not even, she figured out a whole system how to communicate with this guy. Like it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Like she just basically said to him one day, she's like, okay, anytime you want to say yes, you're going to blink once. When you want to say no, you're going to blink twice. Like she just started doing this. And I just said to her, like, it's so simple, but like, how did you figure this? And anyway, the point is the rest of the summer, we were all able to have like full conversations with this guy who like, I mean, he, he really, he had, he didn't have use of his legs. He didn't really have use of his, his arms the only thing he really could do was blink and like kind of make noises and we could have full conversations with him because this one person took the time to be like, okay, how do we communicate? Let's figure this out. And in three days, she had a whole system figured out and we could have conversations with him. And it was freaking amazing. Anyway, the point of me telling you that is now she's a mother and she has a, a son who just turned one and I am fascinated watching her with him because she still like is so in tune with like nonverbal communication and like she understands like everything. I mean, any mother will say like, yeah, you know, I I know the hungry cry or the tired cry or whatever, but I feel like she just goes so above and beyond this. So as you're talking about this, I feel like you just have that like, I don't know, the sixth sense of how to, how to communicate with people who in general, don't communicate the way that most of us are used to, you know, that have atypical communication. You can figure out how to 
get through to them and how to make sure you understand them. And that is, that is huge. That is, that's a skill that I don't think a lot of people possess. So as Mark said, you're, you're the hero that we need to all know about. Well, right? I don't, right? I don't know. I don't know about that, but like, I, I guess I grew up very differently than a lot of people. So uh, I didn't, I can't say I grew up a, around a lot of nonverbal kids, but but I, I spent a lot of time in hospitals. When I was five, I spent, I want to say, about four or five months at a rehab center. At the time, now it's called Blurview. I actually went for an interview at Blurview because in my late university years, I had decided that I wanted to do occupational therapy. And so I wanted right. to get experience in all different areas that. to see like, what do I want to do? So I signed up to volunteer with a seniors stroke rehab group. That's how I ended up running the rec program for the um, teenagers with, with cerebral palsy. And I also yeah. went for an interview with Blue Review and I can't remember what it was for, but that actually ended up not working out. I don't know if it was right. the scheduling or whatever, but yes. Yeah, so I I know, I know Blue Review very well. Yeah. So at the time it was actually called the Ontario Crippled Children's Center. Stop it right now. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and it's obviously gone through several name changes. It was called the OCC uh, or the Ontario Crippled Children's Center. I spent about four or five months there, I think, um, when I was about five-ish. Did you have a physical disability? No, it was because my asthma had gotten to a point where they felt like it would, and again, they don't do this anymore. I feel like I'm 90, but I'm not. <laughs> not even close, by the way. Um, not even close. But at the time, in very rare cases, they would kind of like, you're going to come live here. We're going to get this under control. I went swimming every day. I went to school there. I lived there. They taught me about my medication. They taught me about my health. They taught like it was like around the clock kind of thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time as a very young child around kids with a variety of medical issues like I think mm -hmm. a friend that I had there had like a cast from the waist down I was little so I don't I didn't think to ask her what she had or what was going on with her I had um uh, kids in my class with tumors on their face I had kids in my class who um you know were nonverbal, and and then so even after that, I spent a, a great deal, sometimes, sometimes probably close to a quarter of a year on and off, not all at once, in, in hospitals mm -hmm. around kids with medical issues and stuff. So I think, I think when you kind of grow up like that, um, as an adult, it kind of slowed down probably around my 19 or something like that. But I think when you grow up with that, you see things from a different perspective, right? So the verbal, nonverbal communication thing, um, like literally I've looked at kids that drop to the floor because they don't want to do something. And I'll look at them and go, okay, I know that you're trying to tell me something and this is not the best way to do it. So you're not going to drop to the floor and I'm going to do a better job trying to understand what you want and we're going to cooperate. You're going to do what I want and I'm going to help you do what you want to, right? And mm -hmm. and often I get a good response just by being that open, right? Because sometimes it's as simple as them feeling like nobody's really listening to me. 
And so I think, you know, I think everybody's history, everybody's way they grew up, all the things they were involved in as a kid contributes to what they're interested in now, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I said you never know what's on the other side of the door, um, it's it's never a bad thing. Uh, It's just that every kid is different. Some are verbal, some are nonverbal. Some are verbal with their parents, but not with strangers. Some are happy to see me. Some are scared. I had one mom tell me, Um, so I did the whole intake with her. Um, I worked with her son on the table. Um, and then she said, can you tell me some exercises for this? And I said, you know what, you make it fun, right? Like march with him and dance with him. And as I was leaving, she goes, oh, I'm so glad I called you. I'm so glad I got your number. He doesn't usually let anybody touch him. And I I was kind of like, what? (laughs) You booked a massage for a kid who doesn't like to be touched, but and I was like, "Oh well, I'm, I'm I'm really glad that he was comfortable with me." Like, consent is huge, right? For me, I tell parents right up front: if your kid's not going to be into it, if they don't give me consent, I'm not going to be massaging them. This is an opportunity for them to learn control of their body and who gets to touch it and there's nothing about massage therapy that's a medical emergency so there's never reason to force it um and so he was you know happily on the table and then happily doing little exercises with me he liked you well that's the the one family that i mentioned that um i treat the baby it was really cute the last time they came in um she's got to be i think she just turned one so um they they did sign language with her. I did I yeah. sign I signed with both of my kids and it was incredible. For anyone listening who has a baby, I cannot recommend this enough. Like my kids could communicate yeah. with me through signing from like nine, ten months old. It was amazing. It's amazing, right? It was it was so good. And I, I did get some criticism from people saying, Oh, I've heard this is gonna delay their speech. Not at all. I actually There's no evidence of that at all. No, and you know, I actually felt it to be just I, f- I feel like they were calmer. They were, um, they could relax a little bit more because they were able to tell me what they needed and what they wanted. There wasn't as much frustration. So I feel like there was less crying in those phases with mm-hmm. them because they could tell me what they wanted. Um, but this family that comes to me and they bring their their infant to get massage from me, yeah. she started signing about 10, I guess, 10 months old. And the last time she came for massage, so she was probably, you know, just 11 months. And so, you know, I worked on her legs and it, she was kind of having a, a fussy day in general. But I, I still, even though she's 11 months old, would say like, is it okay if I touch your leg? You know, like I, I do the whole consent thing. And yeah. then we got to her neck. And I went to massage her neck and she signed all done. And I said to them, I'm sorry, guys. She said, she said all done. She's done at 11 months old. If she's saying all done, I'm done. So I, you know, I know we didn't, I don't know. We didn't get the full treatment in, but she just told me we're all done. So we're all done. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, that's one of the things about working with kids that I, um, at first I was really nervous about was because you, you really have multiple clients, right? Really, the kid is your client, but you have to get the parent on board with whatever's going on. So when I first started started out, I would do the whole consent thing with the with the kid if they if they were cognizant enough to to do consent with them, and I would go through the whole 
You can leave on whatever clothing you want. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to get undressed, you can get under the sheets and I'm only going to uncover it. Or I can work on the sheets. Or And I would literally have my hand on the doorknob and I would hear, oh, no, 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 get undressed, get undressed. And I, I would turn around, sit back down. We're going to start again. <laughs> <laughs> and I would look at I would look at the parent and I would say, so I, I'm going to explain. I want to say something to you. It's not meant as a criticism in any way, but this is an opportunity. There's nothing about massage therapy that is urgent or or anything like that. So this is an opportunity for your child to decide what part of their body I get to touch, how comfortable they are being undressed in front of a stranger. It would be very different if this were an emergency room, but it's not. So here we can offer lessons that they might be able to take into the rest of the world, mm-hmm. right? And and often the parents are like, oh, oh my God, I never thought about it that way. Because they're thinking, what does Sarah want? What's best for Sarah? And parents are constantly, and I'll say this from a place of being guilty of this, parents are constantly not wanting to look like they have the kids who behave like shit in public. So it's like, just do what she says. If Sarah said, take your shirt off, take your shirt off. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And, And so it's our job also to tell the parents, no, 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 literally whatever your kid is okay with is what we're going to do. And I'm okay with that. And you're okay with that. And they're okay with that. And it's good for them. Like the little boy I told you about, he had had so many medical procedures. And that is why he was, you know, a bit touch averse. Right. Mm -hmm. So she was like, mom was so over the moon. But I think he was receptive because I gave him all the control. Right. So if he wanted to roll over, I let him roll over. If he wanted to put one leg in the air, what do I care? You sound very much like what Heidi was telling us. Like, you know, yeah. just however the kids want to be, it's their time. Hence her clinic's name is me time. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. their time, whatever they want. Just, you know, let them, let them be. And we can work around it. it you have to be. One time I was um, massaging in a home that had three kids. I was initially, I, w- I, I worked with them all, but the big concern was mom was a little bit worried that the baby wasn't crawling yet. We'll see what happens. I'm, you know, you can't force a baby to crawl, but let's see what happens. And I'm very upfront and very honest. And she said, yeah, 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 that's fine. Even if you just come and massage her. And I said, okay. And then there were two boys. Um, and um, again, you know, a lot of spectrum families that I work with. And um, in one session, I remember massaging the baby and one of the boys flipped over my shoulder. So babies, I'm sitting on the floor cross-legged and the baby's on the floor in front of me. One of the boys flipped over my shoulder. For whatever reason, I just grabbed him in my arms and caught him and laid him down on the floor beside the baby. (laughs) He was about five, right? And I'm about four foot 10. So he was a good you, size for me. You are like literally 
almost a foot shorter than I am. <laughs> and, and I'm I'm five foot eight. Oh my goodness! We need to get a picture of the two of us standing next to each other when COVID right? is over. <laughs> oh, I'm so tiny, which is you know even funnier when I work with some of these kids, right? Um, so the mom kind of looked at me these really wide eyes, and she goes how did you do that? And I was like, oh, you know, I work in a gym with kids, right? Like I'm used what to, I do. Yeah. I'm used to catching kids. So, um, so when I say every time I go in a home, it's different. It's that it's, do they speak? Do they not speak? Do they have alternate forms of communication? Do they, um, you know, do they get upset over certain things? Um, have I interrupted their TV time because again sometimes parents will book a, a massage during the kid's favorite show which shouldn't really matter except if a child is extremely routine oriented right guess what's going to happen right um so so ev- like literally every time i i go to a family's home it could be different and not in a scary way but an interesting way i loved my adult clients they were lovely people. I learned a lot working with them. But there's something that stimulates my brain when I work with kids that's different, that keeps me excited. So pre-lockdown, that was really like, that's been your focus for the last decade, right? Like you're treating clients yeah. in your friend's gym and working yeah. with children of varying abilities. And then you're also going into people's homes. Now, how do you how do you market yourself that way or is it mostly word of mouth like where do people where do people hear about you but i don't i don't know if you guys even caught on but i inquired about your um january course on marketing because i'm not really that good at the business side of things like really gotcha. at all <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is true Mark, of a lot of massage Mark, you got to help her out. Yeah, I think we can make that happen. Mark is Mark's Mark's quiet the marketing That's guy. Very quiet today. That's funny. I'm learning so fucking much, actually. Yeah, anytime we have a therapist on who focuses with kids, he gets yeah. exceptionally quiet because in his 16 years of practice, oh wait, sorry, did I overshoot that how long you've been a massage therapist yeah that's right 15 16 years we i don't know i got to do math um he's worked with a couple of maybe teenage kids you know mm-hmm. like athletes mm-hmm. but yeah. he's never really worked with kids and then you know when we had our own kids like i mean he's great with them he'd obviously like yeah. help me and he'd massage but i'm the one who really like loves working with kids and it's never yeah. so anytime we have anybody who who focuses in pediatrics, he gets just very, very quiet. He's like, yeah, this is like nothing, nothing that I know about, nothing I've ever done in my entire career. Yeah. And I had to learn, like I learned as I went. And um, like I told you, the, the one course that I had actually taken was teaching moms how to massage their healthy babies. There was nothing else really out there that I knew of when I started working. So I learned a lot through observation, working as a coach at the gym with my friend. Were you Um, nervous? Like when your friend decided, I'm going to take the kids that other coaches don't want to deal with. Were you nervous or were you like, yes, like I'm all in, let's do this. Like, how did you, because I mean, so she was doing that before I joined her. Right. Right. And and she she called me. She's like, I know you work with kids. I know you're a massage therapist. And and can you can you come in 
and see what's going on. And and I'll be honest, at first it took her probably a good year to convince me to come because I I couldn't really wrap my head around what I had been taught about massage and how it would fit. I feel like that's what I would feel like. I mean, as I said, I've worked with um, teenagers and young adults with, yeah. you know, varying abilities as well. But I yeah. think if someone were to say like, hey, can you come in and observe these athletes and, you know, tell me, I'd be like, what? Like, who am I? What the fuck do I know? What are you saying to me? <laughs> yeah. So if you went, you would figure it out. Like you would look and you'd be like, Oh my gosh, I get it. I get it. Right. So, um, so I started off working with her as a coach, right? So I would, I would see my, I was teaching a lot. I was working with her as a coach and I would see my clients on the side through house calls and stuff like that. Um, and, um, and, and a lot, you know, she has some very talented athletes. A lot of them are more, um, you know, we're working on, on motor planning and we're jumping on the trampoline and we're climbing up to the vault as opposed to, you know, anything fancy. We're swinging from the bar. We're, um, supporting our weight on the bar, things like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you go into this environment and you see, oh my goodness, like how many ways can I use that to do a bit of traction of the shoulders? How can I use that to promote um shoulder flexion so i'll I'll tell you one example right i I was working with a little girl um when i did my assessment of her she didn't really lift her arms too much uh not too high but they weren't restricted by any any uh bony blocks there was no um tension in the muscles when I did passive range of motion and I could prompt her to lift her arms all the way up, but it wasn't, didn't come naturally to her. So it was so one like of the, objectively, she should have been able to lift her arms. No problem. Yeah. But she yeah. wasn't right. So it was one of the goals was to, um, that I had was to kind of connect her with the range of motion of her shoulders more, um, and, and get her, get her moving in that direction. Right. So, um, so what I would do is to target the shoulders to increase that range so that it happened more naturally, I would pass beanbags back and forth to her at different heights and different angles. And so, so the way I assess is similar to the way I go through an exercise plan with them. Right. Um, I got her and, and, uh, little bits of challenge with motor planning. And I've done this with several kids, um, in the hands and arms and shoulders. So I would give them like a hula hoop to hang on the wall. So that seems super, super easy. But when you think about the motor planning and coordination required to grasp a hula hoop and bend the elbows and the shoulders or flex the shoulders and balance the hula hoop and hang it on a hook. There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things happening. And also bending over um, to pick it up. So then you, you're you using core, you're using glutes, you're using back, right? Um, you bend over to pick it up. So you've bent over and now you're getting up, you're using all those muscle groups and then you're coordinating it to put it on the wall. Um, and then 
oh, we've put five on the wall. Let's take five down and put them back on the floor. This is so fascinating. And I don't know if I don't know if Mark's brain is going the same place that mine is. But for example, both of our kids do gymnastics. And we started when our oldest was two. And the reason we started was not because in any way I thought she was going to be a gymnast. It was the exact opposite. Myself, I couldn't get the rehab brain to turn off. And I became like worrying mother. One, she didn't walk until she was 19 months old. Two, I noticed that her left ankle like was a little bit wonky, like her left foot really sort of it was excessively pronated. And I just felt like gross motor skills were developing at a slow rate, which is totally normal because between, you know, up until the age of five, there's no real normal. There's so much variety in the way kids develop. But I felt like her coordination really was not where I felt it should be. Um, you know, she was, she couldn't balance very well. And, uh, she was the overly cautious kid, you know, climbing something that should have been very easy to climb was more difficult for her. So we decided let's put her in gymnastics, you know, let's get her doing balance beams and jumping and, you know, all of these different movements to try to one, eliminate the fear, but also just work on some of these gross motor skills. And it became like the best thing that we've ever done. Like her confidence grew like incredibly, but she just became so much more coordinated and so much more, um, well, I guess I already said confident, but it was just, she was, she was just more able to do regular things that were a struggle before doing gymnastics. So as you're talking about the hula hoop, I'm like, I I get it. Like the smallest thing of her just walking across a beam that was actually just resting on the floor. Like it wasn't even elevated, you know, just the beam and being able to put one foot in front of the other, which to some kids comes naturally, but it doesn't come naturally to everyone. Like for her, that was a huge a huge accomplishment for her to be able to go across a beam that was just resting on the floor, putting one foot in front of the other without falling over or tripping over her. Like it was, it was incredible. So yeah, we've had her in, she's now six and a half and she goes to gymnastics once a week. Her younger sister's doing it. And we even actually, when she was in junior and senior kindergarten, we'd pull her out of school half day and do a 90 minute gymnastics program because I mean, yeah. kindergarten is not mandatory anyway. <laughs> and cognitively, right. she doesn't have any delays. I'm like, I'm not worried about her there. Let's get her moving more. Right. So we'd pull her out half day and do gymnastics. And it was amazing. Yeah. And the, you know, the other thing that I've seen in like, not necessarily as a massage therapist, although sometimes just for fun, we'll we'll test it out. But in the gymnastics program, a lot of our families are very stressed out, right? Like, um, like I said, a a lot of the families that we work with are um, because of the, the range of kids that we work with. The evening program, right? The eating, the dressing, the bathing, the for some of them, it's a whole night's activity. And then you go, they go to school. For some of them, taking TTC is like a sensory overload. And by the time they get to the gym, it's, it's stressful. Um, the speaker I had on a few weeks ago, you know, she said, I didn't say, she said, sometimes we arrive and we're a mess and we're late. And it's not that we want to be late we're a mess. It's that we've had quite a time on the way, right? Um, 
or it took us quite a lot of work to get out of the house or because transitions are very difficult. So in the gym program, we've had parents kind of arrive sometimes, I, like, and I'm saying this as a coach, not as not in my massage therapy scope, but um, where parents arrive and they've been at the school and the teacher tells them the kid can't count or doesn't know colors or can't read. And, and it's fascinating because outside the classroom, usually myself or my colleague, Rochelle, um, the one who has the gymnastics program, um, one of us will sit with the parent and chat and the other one will be like, let's go test this out in the gym where they're having fun, right? And so I'll throw down, let's say I'm in the gym and she's not, cal- I'm not going to say calming, but keeping the parent company because they're stressed out. I'll go in the gym and I'll throw down a bunch of circles with that are colorful. And I'll be like, go hop on the purple one. And shockingly, the kid will go, hop on the purple one okay okay go hop on the yellow one and the kid will go hop on the yellow one okay this kid knows colors Mm -hmm. they just can't recall them in the stressful situation of a classroom oh right we've had kids walk in and and read signs you can read oh yeah the teacher says he can't read but he just read this whole sign yep because they're doing something fun it's comfortable right movement and cognition and and fun decrease stress. Um, It's it's an interesting, really, really fascinating thing. Again, not necessarily in my scope as a massage therapist, but it's definitely something that um, I learned at the gym. Um, And I kind of always knew it. I think we kind of always know it, that we learn better in less stressful situations. But when you can actually see it it at play, it's it's fascinating. I could literally talk to you about like kids and their abilities and the gymnastics all night. But I I really I have to ask you about yeah. uh, two things. I guess we'll start with this Facebook page you created. I guess this community oh, you've kids, created. Yeah, because yeah, I, I think this is. Um, this is why anyone whom I've talked to has suggested to me like why why don't you talk to Sarah? You need to talk to Sarah. Why don't you have Sarah on? So tell everyone what this Facebook page is and why you created it and sort of what the the goal and the intent of it is. So when I was, um, it, it was a couple of reasons. I actually started it with another massage therapist who um, has been working with the pediatric population for a very long time. Um, I didn't ask them permission to bring them up, but but um, they're here in Ontario. They are working with the pediatric population um, and and have been doing it forever, right? So, and then I was working in the gym and we would talk and we'd have these great conversations and we would connect on things. And I would say, hey, I got this situation. What are your thoughts? And, um, and um at some point, and and she's often looking for people to refer to. Uh, so at some point, we were talking, and I said, "Hey, like we we both said, hey, let's start a Facebook page for massage therapists to kind of share their experiences and connect." And also, um, at the time, everybody was looking um, to get their education elsewhere. And we had some really good people here, and I'm not even talking about myself, but so I just felt like we needed to develop 
um, a, a pediatric massage community here. People who were who were working with kids and and we were all working in these little individual bubbles, right? Uh, figuring stuff out on our own and not really knowing other people were out there um, or I didn't anyway. And then, um, so we started this page and um, lots of people joined. There's lots of really great people on there. So far, everybody on there seems very, very supportive, non-competitive, which is what we were aiming for. If there's, you know, someone who has a potential client in an area that I don't work or you know, someone else doesn't work, they might refer. I also wanted to start organizing speakers, right? Families, people with kids with autism so that we could hear from them. Like, what is your experience with healthcare providers? Mm-hmm. How can we, how can we do better? Um, we all have this, again, when I teach therapeutic exercise and when I used to teach it, it was like, oh, get your clients to do therapeutic exercise. You know, you must get them to do this. And I, don't get me wrong. It is a make or break to a massage program is how compliant or how willing your your patient is to do their home care, right? But it wasn't until I actually started talking to families and spending time, like having more lengthy conversations with families where I realized that for them, it's not as simple as here, do these things every night, right? right? Because they're having trouble sometimes, not always. Some families are flowing really well. But some families are, you know, like the whole evening is dinner, bath, bed, right? Um, so um, so I, I wanted to get speakers in. So we actually had other perspectives beyond massage therapy. And so that was also a goal of the Facebook page was to, you know, get people, is this something you're interested in? Find out what people were interested in so I could try to arrange speakers and I'm, I'm working on that. Um, find out what other courses people were taking. And like I said, just really try to build a, a community where it wasn't competitive. It, uh, there's a space for everybody. Yeah, what I really love what you're doing, and I know now you're also working with another uh, friend and colleague whom we had a conversation with. Uh, her episode hasn't come out yet, but I know that the ultimate goal for you guys, or at least in her words, yeah. is to try to get pediatric massage therapy to be more like unified across the board. You know, like if somebody is looking for a massage therapist who specializes in working with children, then you know that no matter where you go, like you guys are all kind of on the same page and how you treat and, you know, how you deal with mm-hmm. the kids. So um, I think my understanding from my conversation with her is that you guys are going to start teaching more continuing education in this area. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We want to, we, you know, we want to help again. I, I, was operating in a bubble and I kind of assumed everybody was just doing what I did. And it, it kind of took a few opportunities to go, actually, no, like um, I ran my course a few times and there was a number of people in it that were like, oh, wow, this is great. I would never have thought of this. And for me, it was so natural. 
but I was in so many places too. Like I was teaching so many hours a week and I was at the gym and trying to run these courses from time to time. And so um, the person we're talking about right now, she took my course and I, I said to her, like, what are you doing here? Like, you know, all this, what? <laughs> and, um, and then we just realized we were doing so much of the same stuff and we think so much alike. And we decided to um, work collaboratively to, to run a pediatric workshop. Um, she has so much to offer and and a certain perspective and I had been doing it and I think together we can make it a bit bigger I don't I mean you we all know all three of us know that there is no regulation around specialty other than we can't mm-hmm. um and there are always going to be people who figure it out on their own like I I wouldn't necessarily want there to be a, a mandatory standard cuz look I I'm, I can't be hypocritical that way um because I figured it out Christina figured it out um other people figured it out but there are a lot of people out there who would really like to know more yeah absolutely and i remember my first conversation or one of my first conversations with Cindy McNeely who you yeah. you know started studying with and yeah. she said i know a lot of rmt's think that what we learn in school is enough when it comes to prenatal treatment or working with children she's like but i'm telling you there's so much more. And I said, you don't have to convince me, Cindy. Like I am a believer. I believe there is so much more. And I want, I want to learn all of those things. You know, I want to make sure that when I'm working with whomever, a pregnant woman, a child, you know, anybody that I am giving them the best possible treatment. So taking extra courses and just, you know, getting different perspectives, even if you take one thing away from it, you're helping your mm-hmm. clients. So um, I love that you guys are actually so focused on just bringing more education. Um, when are these workshops going to be available? I don't remember if I asked Christina this. I will apologize if I did. I've got mommy yeah. brain times 7,000 right now. It's Christmas oh. and yeah. I'm losing it over here, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing because I'm really stoned and I have the munchies. Like I've just been eating the whole He's time. He's eating candy over there. <laughs> you don't understand. Like This is like, I've been listening to a podcast. This is fucking fabulous. Yeah, he's having fun just listening to us have a conversation while he eats Swedish berries. They are by far my favorite candy. I was a little bit nervous. So I, I, I'm glad you're enjoying it, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. No, he's having fun. He's eating all of my favorite candy. <laughs> Especially after I, I heard your rant about therapeutic exercise, which is, <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, 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 dear. <laughs> in his in his defense, because I can imagine now from your, totally get it, your, yeah, from totally your perspective, get it, working with people with different abilities, therapeutic exercise will look different. I think that his rant was definitely targeted a towards um, people who were sort of throwing away all fundamentals. And when you've got like, you know, a, I'm putting in air quotes, like healthy, typical person, there's got to be some structure. I can't, I can't break away from that. I like, there's no part of me that can turn off the kinesiologist and say like, no, do whatever feels good. No, I'm sorry. I can't. No, (laughs) nope. Nope, nope, sorry. Well, and I, I totally understand where he was coming from because I get it. It's all based on an assessment, right? So I don't, in in my practice, in my scope, 
In the gym, yeah, we might just play, we might just jump. That's still that's still methodical. Sometimes it's very focused. Sometimes it's play. Um, in my practice, there's a goal, right? There, there. I I've assessed, and there's a goal. What is my plan? Right, like Mark said, you're you're still being very methodical, and that's what his entire rant was about. Is there has to be yes. some rhyme or reason to what we're prescribing to our patients? It's not just you know Absolutely. go exercise and do what feels good. Uh uh-uh, uh, nope, sorry. Not gonna, that's, not gonna that's, fly. Ex- that's just exercise, right? That's just yep. exercise. Yeah, Absolutely. and you know what? Good for you. That's movement, but that's not <laughs> rehabilitative. I even think not in that clip. I think in another clip, I might even said that's just leisure. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, we, I have a therapeutic exercise for kids in January. I think it's the twenty fourth, and then um, we are. I am uh, working on putting together uh, a speaker event and it is again it it's in process so i'm hoping it will be in february might have to postpone it um regarding children who i have identified as transgender or non-binary um and how as healthcare providers can we create a more comfortable safer space what kind of things do we need to be aware of in terms of other therapeutics they may be on, um, things like that. So that's one that's coming up. And then the one that I am um, joining together with Christina on is uh, in March. We haven't picked the specific date, but it will be in March. It's fantastic. Now, are all these events virtual? I know because of your asthma, you know, you're you're being very cautious and sticking yeah. to, um, like, you're not doing any um, in-person therapy no. or anything right now, right? Everything. No. Okay. So are all I've of got your like a three person bubble and that's primarily because they all work from home. Right. Yeah. Um, and my dad. Yeah. And I mean, I totally get it. So are all of your events going to be virtual? Are you going to be teaching virtual? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. We definitely need to connect and put up some links. Like we want to, we want to help you spread the word on this. I like, I oh, like what you're awesome. doing. And I think that, mm-hmm. I think you just need the push in the marketing direction. Cause as we said at the very beginning, like people who know, what you're doing and know who you are, they know. But I think more people need to know. All right. I got to ask you a couple questions. Sure. You have a really unique practice. So this one is super fitting. What is your favorite thing to do when you're uh, working on somebody? What's your favorite thing to do on the table? Mm, I don't do a lot of table work. Um, I do a lot of um, with the kids that I work with, a lot of PNF. Okay, so is that like your favorite thing to do, PNF? Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I really, I, I really like it because they see the results. Yeah. To me, um, to me, uh, I have, I can't say that there's evidence. I'm not going to lie, but in my experience, it not only helps with flexibility, but it helps with the brain body connection. Yeah, and I something like PNF, I could see being really great to use with kids because that would be something you'd be like, look, like, look where, let's just say we're working with like a hip. Look where you started. Look where you are now. Like, that's something that would be super exciting for a child. I mean, it's it's exciting for an adult, but (laughs) you get a kid like, you know, even increasing like five degrees range of motion, they'd be like, wow, how did you do that? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But even for some of the kids that I work with that are less coordinated, feeling the contraction and then a stretch and a contraction and a stretch. Oh yeah. It's kind of like, Oh, that's my, that's, that's pointing my toes. That's, 
wiggling my toes, that's moving my foot, right? Because sometimes when I'm working with the kids, I'll say, um, can you bend your knee or can you move your ankle? And it takes a long time for that processing to happen, that like what part of my body? Right, yeah. So again, I, I don't necessarily have a study to tell you that it works for this purpose. Um, but I find after doing several sessions of PNF with them, they seem to be a little bit quicker with the response to whatever my ask is, right? Yeah, I can but see I, that. But I love I love doing PNF. I love stretching. I love range of motion. I do a lot less kneading and effleurage and squeezing and things like that than I did. I really like joint play, although I don't use it really for kids too much, um, unless it's really really called for. Um, but generally not. Um, but when I worked with adults, I loved joint play. Loved it. <laughs> so you've uh, you've rhymed off a couple of people that you've studied with. Who have you studied with? Who has been a mentor that's had the biggest impact on you? Um, there have been a few. Do you know Lee Kalpin? Yes, we do. Yeah. So her in the sense that she uh, was the academic coordinator and one of my teachers at CCMH way, way back. And I remember one time my class was giving all our teachers a really hard time about stretching something. And every class we had, somebody would ask how to stretch whatever the muscle was. And the teacher would give some slight, slight, slight variation, but it was so slight, right? And then there would be this whole big 20-minute uproar conversation. Um, and I remember one day we were all in this huge class and she walked in with like four other instructors and she said, today, all five of us are going to teach you how to stretch this muscle. And it was kind of like she was sort of letting all the students know in a very nice way, we are colleagues and we are together on this, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we have each other's backs. And so as a student, that was something that stuck out in my mind. And she was always kind of calm about it. Then when I started teaching, someone uh, said to me, do you want to teach? Um, because the school that I work at is hiring teachers. And I was like, oh, God, no, no. <laughs> and she was like, why? Like, you know, supplement your income, yada, yada, yada. I was like, oh, my God, my class was horrible to some of my teachers. Why would I put myself through that? Oh, my God, no. And she said, oh, no, 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 it's a different kind of school. And and she mentioned Lee's name. And I was like, okay, if I could work for anybody, I think I could work for Lee. Like, she'll be there. She'll, she's very helpful. So I tried. And, um, you know, 17 years later, here I am, not only teaching out of schools, but also running my own courses. So Lee had a huge impact. We like, we like Lee. She was, she came on an episode, oh, it was so long ago. I don't know how you do the formal education. I'm sorry. I did it for eight years. How many? Eight years, yeah. I did it for eight years and I was like, oh, And you did it hardcore. Like you dove in head first. You were doing curriculum development. Mm -hmm. You were teaching yeah. at multiple locations. You were teaching multiple subjects, multiple classes a day. Yeah. Like you that's went head first into education. I think that's why. I think you just... 
It was aggressive. Yeah, it's it's a it's a unique experience. We we talked about it a bit before. I didn't know how happy I was going to be until I walked away, and I was like, that was so good. Right. Anyway, well, you found your niche, right? <laughs> in exactly. the in the con ed stuff. So who knows? I, well, I freaking hope. I freaking hope you. you know. We've been doing this full time for almost five years now. <laughs> All right. This is our this is our job interview question. Yes. Where do you see yourself in five years? In five years. I am running courses far more regularly, um, probably like twice a year, pediatric course twice a year with that would be like a three day twice a year and then one day workshops once a month, every other month, and then just working with kids. I, I love that. So would winning the lottery change that passion? Um, if you win the lottery, does that five-year plan change to like, fuck all that, I'm doing something completely different? So if I won the lottery, of course, you know, you think you know what you're going to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, if I won the lottery, I believe I would still have my hand in it in some way. Um, I, I just, you know, one of the things, aside from like friends and stuff like that, I'd see them on Zoom and phone calls and stuff. But it, I miss the kids. I miss that thought process that I have with them and the the their, you know, excitement when they get when they do something, they're successful at something. I miss that. Um, but would I do it? Would I work as hard as I work right now? No. Would I take more vacations? Yes, 100%. If I won the lottery, I'd probably open a whole center. Like I would probably go big, go yes. big, 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 right? That used to be my dream, Sarah. Like if you win the lottery, I'll just come join you. <laughs> that used to be You're my dream, welcome. man. When I, when I was doing all of the different volunteer jobs to try to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, I remember driving and just like having this idea that like, imagine just opening, you know, some kind of center. I didn't even know what it was going to focus on, but I was like, you know, where kids could come and we could do therapy and we'd have hydrotherapy, and we'd have exercise and this, and like all of these yeah. things used to run through my head. So that's why I, you know, when we were having our conversation with Christina, I was like, yes, yes. Like, I love this. And then, you know, as I said, everyone was recommending you. I'm like, we need to talk to you. So our last question is always something yeah. that's like super specific to the guests we have. You love working with kids. And as I said, some people just couldn't handle it. What if you can think of what is the most ridiculously funny thing you've ever heard come out of a kid's mouth? Um, so I don't know if it was like really funny or if it was heartwarming. I guess a bit of both, right? It was this um great little kid I was working with and I had worked with him in in another capacity. Um and he was nonverbal but communicative, right? Mm -hmm. And he had um a communication device where you touch pictures. And um I had never communicated with him in that way but I had an opportunity on this one day and I was in his home and he's pushing these buttons and then he would delete it and he would push the buttons and delete it and push the buttons and delete it and suddenly he pushed you know enter and out came can I have veggie sticks grandma and his mom was like I'm so sorry it, uh, and I was like why are you sorry oh my god he's communicating directly with me this is so exciting right? It was the first time he had actually, everything was through his mom. And she goes, it's because 
you're wearing glasses and your hair is tied up. And that's the way his grandma is. And he doesn't have a picture of you, right? So, yeah, super, super funny. Because I'm not, I'm not grandma age at all. I was going to say like, (laughs) before you finish the story, I was like, wait a second. Can I have veggie six grandma? And you're like, he's communicating with me. I'm like, is he? (laughs) (laughs) Grandma wasn't there. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. His only picture of a person with glasses and their hair tied up was a picture of his grandma. He didn't have a picture of me. And I have veggie sticks, grandma. That's really cute. It also shows how resourceful kids are. You know, he didn't have a picture of you, but he's like, let's see, closest one here, grandma. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Should we, at this point, before we wrap up with Sarah tonight, (laughs) Mark? His head, actually. (laughs) Oh my god. She's got a bud. She's got glasses. Yeah, grandma. Call it grandma. You know what I'm picturing? Let's see how I'm everyone picturing... responds. Let's call it grandma. So far, you guys have like a four foot ten glasses bun grandma picture. I was going to say, head. I actually, we've never met in person. So <laughs> I'm right now picturing like, you know, the, the old lady from Guess Who, even though I know you're probably not old at all. <laughs> No, not that old. Oh, anyway, no. <laughs> oh man. Uh, before we wrap up tonight, yeah. can we, you know, if anyone does want to get in contact with you in any way, like how do you feel about giving out contact information? Do you have like an Instagram page or a Facebook page or anything that people can reach out to you if they wanted to? Yeah. So I have a, I have a website and it is RMT or kids, number four kids. And what, again, I know I said it at the beginning, but what's Mm -hmm. the name of that Facebook page for any RMTs that do pediatric massage that aren't already a part of your Facebook community? How can they join? It is the Canadian Pediatric Massage Therapist. Love it. I need to join that myself. I can't believe I haven't already. I will. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been really, really great chatting with you. And I'm super excited for this episode to come out because, as I said, we've had requests from people to oh, hear from you. Awesome. So um, I hope that they're as excited to uh, to hear it now that we finally got a chance to sit down and talk to you. Well, thank you guys so much. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.